Welcome to the very first episode of Live Wild with me, Hilary Rose. This is the podcast that invites you to explore life on a level that's a little bit deeper. I'm thrilled to introduce my first guest, Neil Overaku, otherwise known as Breathe with Neil. Neil is a wellness expert, a Wim Hof breathwork facilitator, expert in shamanic healing, cacao facilitator and so much more. But now he is the author of a beautiful new book called The Blissful Breath. I chat to him about his career and life journey, the benefits of cold exposure, finding calm in the chaos, the miracles of healing with the breath and believing in magic. A lot of how we're living, given the circumstances of the last few years, people feel they're up in this emergency mode, this survival mode, fight or flight mode, which is amazing in short bursts. It's incredible to deal with, with, with difficult things, but over days and weeks and months and years, that's not fine. So the body can't regenerate, the body can't heal itself, the body can't restore itself if it's stuck up here in fight or flight. So when we do some breathing all of a sudden we start to unwind and we start to come back down in that state of emergency and we start to come back into this parasympathetic part of the nervous system and in there we can start to heal i loved this chat with neil i think he's a special soul and in my humble opinion i think the work that he does is vital you can check out his work and book on his website, breathewithneil.com, or on his Instagram, at breathewithneil. And now, on with the show. Neil Overaku, you are so welcome to the Live Well podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Not at all. And firstly, congratulations on the absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous book, The Blissful Breath. It is just so wonderful. And I know that it's a book that I'm going to come back and read time and time again. I know that it is because it's just, oh, congratulations. It's really, thank really, you, really, really you. gorgeous. Um, I highly recommend it, but we're going to go into the book uh, in more detail a little bit later on. And I wanted to kind of go back to the start First of all, I want for listeners to know exactly what you do, because you've got a multifaceted career going on. So can you explain what you do as a practitioner, a healing practitioner? Yeah, I suppose the simplest way to describe it is that I teach people how to breathe. That's it. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, obviously, there's way more complexity to that. But, yeah. um, you know, we breathe all the time. And it's something that we don't really think that much about. But when we do start to pay it attention and practice it and change how we breathe in different ways, it can have these profound effects on our lives. So in some cases, I teach people how to breathe to deal with stress and anxiety so they feel more comfortable and safe and calm again. In other circumstances, I teach people how to use the cold as a way of learning mm -hmm. to breathe. And, you know, that's how we met. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, there's lots of different ways of breathing. But for me everything starts with the breath so that's that's really why I, I kind of dedicate most of my time thinking about and, and uh, teaching is is breathing it's so amazing like I mean I always say it's the first thing you do when you're born the last thing you do when you die but it's a thing that you do every single day all day and don't even think about mm -hmm. it yeah and it's I mean again you know like you said we met on um a Wim Hof course uh, you were hosting the course and it was just a really 
really transformational uh, time in my own personal life that really brought me strongly into breath work. But again, we'll go to that a little bit later on. I want to go back to the start of your journey and I'm going to say the start the start of your breathing journey which sounds so yeah. silly because obviously you're doing it since you're born but when you kind of consciously came into what was the catalyst in your life that really brought you I suppose into the breathwork journey in a conscious yeah. way um I always had a, a, a quite intense relationship with breathing um you know from what I could gather from my parents my birth was extraordinarily traumatic and it was mm. all to do with being choked in the womb and all these kind of things. And then I had uh, asthma for a long time. So breathing or, you know, the struggle with breath was always a big part of my formative years growing up. And I suppose the thing that really started to make me think a bit more about it was um, I played basketball for Ireland when I was younger and I would have this inhaler with me the whole time. And the inhaler would would I you know ironically in the cold my asthma would get worse so we'd be playing in you know, in, in these big sports halls and my asthma would get worse and I'd run over take a, a blast of the inhaler and run back on and everything would be fine immediately be fine mm. and eventually the doctor said look the, the company who makes these inhalers they're having an open day you should go along you might you know, might learn something about how to improve it so I went along and there they did this big presentation about how this inhaler was the fastest working inhaler in the world and it worked in 15 minutes and I remember thinking to myself, hold on a second, for me, it works immediately. And then it got me thinking about how the inhaler was like this crutch or guide or help or whatever it was. It didn't actually work immediately, but in my mind, it worked immediately. Ah. And that got me thinking about how my breath was connected to all different parts of, you know, so what was really helping me breathe better? What was really helping me, you know, uh, feel that constriction in my chest before mm. that um, and then you know so it got me thinking about breathing but when it really kind of became something central to my life was when I was training with this amazing um, Shaolin monk he set up a, a temple in London wow. Shifu Yanzi and Shifu Yanzi was one of the world combat champions like this ferocious man but also this very kind of kind and gentle Buddhist monk at the same time. So I had gone to him to learn how to fight. And he had taught me, I moved to London, everything to, to train up there in, in uh, Tufnell Park. And he taught me how to breathe. He taught me how wow. to breathe and how to meditate. And, you know, so in the middle of our training, we'd be doing this really difficult training. And, you know, extraordinarily difficult physically. And then he'd stop us right there in the rain and he'd do these breathing exercises with us, these long exhales. And all of a sudden we'd be back feeling good again, you know, mm. bring balance. And that was that was really when the practice of breathing for me became this subject that I just had to go and find out as much about. Because I realized that our, how we feel physically is reflected in our breath, how we feel mentally is reflected in our breath, how we feel emotionally is reflected in our breath. And that then for me was, you know, such a fascinating thing that I had to go off and find out as much about it as possible. Wow. What age were you at that stage? That was in my early 20s, mm. in my early 20s. So that kind of so that led me into um, Qigong kind of meditation and breathing. You know, that would be a part of what I loved about the training with, with Chief Yanzi. It was it was all this hard physical training for fighting. 
but you also had to meditate beforehand and you also had to do the qigong breathing exercise so it's this holistic view of martial arts so that then led me into yoga and then led me down into many other paths and into Wim Hof and, and everything but and what I've come to kind of realize is it doesn't matter what way you do it it's all leading to the same place absolutely know, so it's, like, it's like styles of music or whatever you know the the music can m- move us it doesn't really matter what type of music it is we have different mm. music for different moods and it's, it's the same with breathing wow so you mentioned Wim Hof um to me he appears to be like such an interesting person obviously he's quite this you know explosive energy and ex- and his breathing is quite intense as well yeah. and you trained with him personally what was it like to train with with him yeah Wim is an amazing character you know and mm. people know more of him now because of that recent great program on the BBC and what I love about Wim is that he has this amazing energy that can kind of He's playing his guitar and he's singing and doing all those types of things. It's a very, it's very playful, but it's not, he, he's just so calm in, in a way as well, you know, mm. even though he has this big energy and he's very playful and he's just himself and he's very refreshing to feel that you're around somebody that is just themselves, you know, but also... Yeah what it does is you see that Wim is an ordinary person you see him talking to his children you see him kind of feeding his chickens all that kind of stuff but then you realise that this ordinary person can do extraordinary things Mm. and then that kind of opens the the option up for us to say well look if this if normal people ordinary people can do extraordinary things then we're then nearly everything is possible you know and and Mm. history is history is full of people who were fully human flawed and everything but we're able to do these incredible things and then it kind of it it gives us hope that we can we can all do these incredible things we don't you know we don't all have to be some kind of ideal you know and Wim is the embodiment of that he is he is there flaws and all to be seen but he is also then this person that has done this incredible thing for humanity that's shown us this way that is helping millions and millions of people all over the world absolutely and it feels like it's his but it is his life's work i imagine born out of very traumatic circumstances anyone who knows his story you can go and find it there's plenty of interviews where he talks about it born out of traumatic you know circumstances that really again it always feels like people have to go through this major catalyst doesn't it yeah for them to find their their path and their truth and like you said i mean you know he's found his truth you found your truth it's it's a beautiful thing to witness in a person and I'm always interested to know people's personal stories and their career journeys because that's the way it feels to me that they're finding their truth along the path the whole time you know yeah yeah it's amazing and and like when I often think about um, people experience tragedies but it's how we react to them you know his reaction to the awful tragedy of of his wife killing herself Mm he has turned that into something that's now helping millions and millions of people it's, it's actually fascinating you know? it's incredible that's alchemy that yeah. is alchemy yeah. in itself is that taking something which is so like you said traumatic and devastating and very very heavy energy transforming it into yeah. something absolutely incredible and spreading love that's pure yeah. and love we're, and we're all benefiting from that you know Amazing. And, and and that's he, Wim has many things about him that are on a kind of level of genius and that is one of them you know to be able to take something 
so dark and to turn it, as you say, into something golden, something different. Mm. Um, yeah, he's, he's a very special person. Mm, it's beautiful. And like you said, everybody is capable of it, which is, again, it's about the knowing and the belief in that, you know. Yeah. Um, you talked about the different types of breath work and I've explored like a lot of healing modalities, which I've loved all of them. And they've all been kind of a, an expression of different parts of myself. But the one thing I always come back to always is the breath. And again, I've explored different types of breath work as well. I mean, obviously with yoga, there's a, a lot of like pranayama and yoga breaths. Um, there's holotropic breath work, which I actually don't think I've done that quite yet. I've done shamanic breath work, which has been incredibly powerful. Yeah. And then obviously the Wim Hof breathing with the different types of breath work. Can you talk us through some of the different things? I, I know you said they kind of come back to one center point, but can you talk us through the different types of breath work, what they what they can do for people in different circumstances? Yeah, I think the answer to that is actually within the breath itself. So mm -hmm. our breathing is is broken down and very simply into two parts, one, the inhale and two, the exhale. And the inhale is more of an active part of the breath. Our heart rate increases a little bit when we inhale. Our sympathetic nervous system kicks in a little bit more when we inhale. So that's kind of fight or flight, that energy part. That, and the opposite is true of the exhale. So when we exhale, our heart rate starts to go down a little bit. It's the parasympathetic, peaceful part of the nervous system. So in, in essence, all the different styles of breathing kind of fall into into one or two of those categories. Either the emphasis is on the in-breath and that tends to be a little bit, you know, more intense, tends to be a bit stronger. Or the emphasis is on the out-breath, which tends to be a little bit calmer, you know, more peaceful. Mm. So, you know, whatever a person feels they need, the type of breathing they should do kind of roughly reflects that is is the emphasis on big inhales or is it on calm exhales mm. and and in that way they can either you know they can either feel okay i need to raise my energy or i need to come back down out of the state of emergency and, and survival mm. and most of the different ways of breathing fall into roughly two of those kind of camps mm. I feel like most of us nowadays are living in a li living a lifestyle and living in a way that I suppose our bodies aren't meant to live in. So I feel like most people these days are living in this fight or flight mm -hmm. mode. Yeah. So it's like I I've noticed a difference in breath work where it's like, oh, my God, OK, now I feel peace and I feel yeah. calm and inner calm. Have you noticed that within your breath work yeah. workshops that so you're, you're spot on um, a lot of how we're living, given the circumstances of the last few years, people feel they're up in this emergency mode, this survival mm. mode, fight or flight mode, which is amazing in short bursts. It's mm, incredible to deal with, with, with difficult things. But when we're up there for a long time in that state, the body is taking essential energy from nearly every other part of us you know mm -hmm. so it's taking energy from our digestion from our immune system and it's pushing it into this fight or flight to be able to deal with whatever the danger is and that's fine over short periods mm -hmm. but over days and weeks and months and years that's not fine so mm -hmm. the body can't regenerate the body can't heal itself the body can't restore itself if it's stuck up here in fight or flight mm -hmm. so 
when we do some breathing, all of a sudden we start to unwind and we start to come back down at that state of emergency and we start to come back into this parasympathetic part of the nervous system. And in there, we can start to heal. In mm. there, everything finds balance again. But we need to have time down in there in order for us to be healthy, in order for us to have clarity in our mind and to have kind of love and openness in our heart. We have to come down out of that fight or flight. Mm. And I think that's where um, a lot of the movement now in 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 the events that we have and we can see where people is they are looking for the thing to help them come out of this state of emergency, the state of agitation. And that's really where um, that emphasis on the exhale comes in. That's really where the calming kind of breath comes in. And we do need time down there in order for us to kind of regenerate and then we can go back up into into kind of more high level kind of energy if we need it fight or flight if we need it but it's the it's the ability to come back down again that's very mm. important and i feel like we haven't been taught this i certainly no. wasn't taught it i mean my, like, i i do recall my dad actually coming home from a hard day's work and he used to lie on his bed spread eagled yeah and he used to i used to always watch him from the door from the bedroom door i was quite young and I, because I used to be concerned about him, I'd say, Dad, are you OK? And he'd be like, it's OK. I'm and he used to say, I'm just regulating my breathing. Wow. It was really interesting to watch. Wow. And he used to lie on the bed and bring himself back down to this calm state before he would come downstairs and re-enter the family unit, essentially. Wow. So what a great move. He did. He was brilliant. He was fair. And he was never taught that either. He just kind of tuned into it himself. Yeah. And I remember watching him do that. And um, but. But again, it was something that, um, I mean, I, I learned from watching him do it, but we were never really taught it. You're not taught it in school. You're not. It's not no. part of this general dialogue that I feel it should be that we need to, like you said, rest, be rest. There's there's so much within our society and how we're raised and it's all go, go, go. It's all energetic. You got to go out. You got to get a mortgage. You got to do and it feels never ending and it feels yeah. absolutely draining. And I think that's probably part of the reason why so many people are constantly in fight or flight. Yeah. It almost feels for me personally, like looking back at my own journey, it felt like, I don't know, it's so silly, but it felt like a badge of honor to be this busy fool the whole time. Yeah. And I had to really detach from that and really look at my health at one point I was suffering from adrenal fatigue and I didn't even know it and I didn't even know yeah. what that was and that was because there was so much pressure on my adrenals on my kidneys on my organs because I just never stopped yeah um and so I really had to come back to myself and the breath helped me do that but again I was never really told that if I went yeah. to a GP, it was just like take this medication, and yeah. there was there was no kind of holistic view of our health in society, and so I felt I really had to take control of my own personal health. Have you witnessed yeah. the same on your own journey and other people's journeys as well? Yeah, I think um, for for what reasons I'm not sure, but society up until very recently has placed a premium on going faster, harder, yes. lifting more, taking more on, sleeping less, you know, mm. pushing, 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 pushing. And I think the most effective way 
that we can deal with that is through the breath. So there's lots of ways that we can deal with it, but it's you know scientifically proven that the that fastest way to deal with stress and anxiety is through the breath. We have this inbuilt system to do it, mm. and I think things like the lockdown have changed it a little bit. You know, it gave mm-hmm. people time to say, "God, is that the best way for me to live?" And there was lots of um, reviewing and reprioritization done during during the lockdowns and it's kind of interesting to see people come out of it now and fall into old patterns of behavior yeah. quite quickly and yeah. then i can see now again from all the people i meet that there was an initial kind of just doing the same things again but now there seems to be a period where people are reassessing again what they've been doing since the end of the lockdown so they've kind of gone out and done all the same things like before forgot the lessons they learned in the lockdown but now <laughs> yeah. those lessons are starting to come back again and i can see that in, in people you know mm. and just to go back to the th- like this is an essential skill to be able to use our breathing to make us feel good to make us feel calm to help us deal with the pressures of life to me it's like an essential skill mm. and that's why you know, recently we launched blissful breathing for children and teenagers for that exact reason to teach you know parents and teenagers and what's kind of very heartening about that is that um come september i'll be working in two secondary schools in in ireland i won't tell their names but like they're on both ends of the spectrum one is extraordinarily privileged school and one is probably the least privileged school in ireland Mm. and you know it's a start into getting these very simple tools to children and teenagers and parents and teachers and guardians to start helping them realize that we can do something at any moment in any given circumstances to try and improve our situation so that's that's quite heartening that the sc- some of the schools are starting to starting to bring people like me in to, to teach the children how to do this that is absolutely incredible it's absolutely incredible and i saw on your website that you do have that resource there for people who want to check it out for children teenagers and parents it's amazing i mean that's this feels like a, a the beginning of a beautiful movement that we need you know yeah so. and there's a real need for it and i, and I was born mm. out of necessity you know my own daughter really have identical twin girls and they really are amazingly kind of brave young little women you know and but after lockdown it started they were hit with this incredible anxiety not during yes. lockdown but okay. afterwards you know wow and um and i'd been teaching people all over the world how to deal with this adults and here upstairs were the two people that i love most that needed my help most you know mm. so um we went off and i went and did training with two of the kind of world's leading uh, clinical psychiatrists who deal with trauma and uh stress and things specifically for children with breathing so i went off and trained with them wow and came back and was able to then help my own daughters and then you know i've always been asked to help children and in schools and so it just kind of it just kind of formed by itself but the catalyst was our youngest daughter upstairs you know and what she needed and you know i knew if i could get her to 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 kind of do it and we worked with another school a very uh, school in a very kind of poor area and I knew if it would work for those children who were surrounded by tough things and violence mm-hmm. so that it worked for them and then it was like okay we now have we know it works now let's get it out to, to the people who need it that's absolutely amazing I'm very 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 impressed and very pleased for you and and like you said it's it's something I want to touch on as well it's not just anecdotal it is scientific at this point yeah yeah, yeah. there's know. loads of science there's 
the science the science around breathing is kind of strange it's hard to get funding for for research into breathing because obviously you know there's not that much money to be made and you know people knowing <laughs> yeah. how to breathe when you have your own breath when you have your own breath yeah, and you can yeah. use it anytime you want you yeah, know yeah. it's not like breathing sponsored by some corporation or something yeah, yeah but given that there's still a there is still a ton of scientific research out there and more coming all the time on 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 how efficient it is um to deal with nearly every problem that we face breathing is an element in it either it's making the problem worse or it's helping the problem so mm. so things are, are changing quite quickly it's amazing i mean like i've seen the power of the breath firsthand not just in myself and my own journey but in other people can you think of any examples that you want to share with us where you've witnessed like almost like incredible healings like yeah um you know, yeah. so so there's there's an idea within the kind of world of of kind of breathing that one breath can change the direction of your life. You wow! Know? And and the that idea can be applied to to a session where somebody's lying down and breathing, and they can have an epiphany about something, or they can see things differently. But it also applies to real life, where, say, for example, somebody could be about to make a a huge decision about their life that's been forced on them like they're in a situation it's high pressure they have to make a decision one way or the other and in that moment by just taking a breath it just allows us a little bit of time and space to make a decision that's the right decision you know mm. so there's so so yes we can we can lie down and we can practice our breathing and that has this cumulative effect and it starts to change us it starts to change the chemistry of the body it starts to change the alkalinity of the blood it starts to do all those things and and they have a profound effect on people's health. But also that one breath can change everything. Mm. It's amazing. Like I, I um, an example that I have, like I, I, I herniated discs in my back um, a couple of months back, probably six months ago or whatever. I was in extreme pain. But I had booked in for a shamanic breathwork session. I was like, I'm not going to miss this session, even if I'm in extreme pain. And I went into it and I was pretty much crawled in the door on my hands and knees and I was lying down for the session anyway. And I've herniated discs in the past where it's taken me probably six days to really come out of it. And then you've, you know, a further healing process of maybe a couple of weeks, really. But you're, you know, getting yourself back together. After that shamanic breathwork session, within 24 hours, I was back on my feet. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe it. It really blew my mind. And I know there's like a lot of oxidization that comes back into the cells and that's where all the really juicy healing happens. But I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is, it was incredible. Yeah. Like, are there, are there, are there, can you recount any stories like that, that you know of that have yeah, just I, I blown your mind? I get emails like every week from people that have endured like really horrific things. So like I get them all the time about people in the dentist, for example, you know, people are <laughs> getting like their teeth pulled out or something like that. Oh, the dentists and, are getting a bad rap here yeah, now. <laughs> but by being able to focus on their breath, one, the experience is, is, is different, you know, because there's, they don't they don't feel the pain as much and after the recovery is really quickly mm. quickly evolves then but there there was one really lovely woman i won't say her name but she was quite elderly um close to 80 and she used to come 
to do the Wim Hof method workshops with me, you know, and she was very, not very, she hadn't got much money. She had very poor health and she would come and do the breathing. And then like she was nearly 80, she'd get into the ice bath and she would, you know, use that breath to find a sense of peace and calm. And I said to her, uh, I'll call her Lisa. I'll say to Lisa, look, you, you can have a free ticket to any of our events. Just keep coming to them. And Beautiful. she used to drive in her little car around Ireland to all the events because it made, so it helped her deal with a, a life where her family was no longer with her and they lived elsewhere and she was very much alone. And, mm. and that then brings along lots of different health kind of problems as well. But by using the breath and getting into the cold and the bravery at that age, getting into the mm. cold and everything, she was amazing. She was really amazing. That's incredible. It's incredible. And I'd say you see all walks of life in your workshops yeah. as well. That's one thing that I remembered from um, when we did the it was the five day Wim Hof breathwork uh, retreat in the Cliffs of Moher when I met you in yeah. 2020. And for me, it was a very transformational journey. But I, I remember looking around and there's, I don't know, probably 20 odd people maybe yeah. there uh, on that retreat. And it was from all walks of life, all ages. And everybody, again, reacted so differently in different ways to different sessions. And I loved, uh, you know, observing other people as well on their journey. But there was one session that we did and it was called the power breathing. Oh, yes. Session. My goodness. Power was the right word because... Yeah. And again, it was the observation of other people that I really enjoyed, not just my own. Like there was one girl and she said that it felt like someone had put a key in a lock and it opened up a door to a room within her body she didn't even yeah. know existed. Yeah. Uh, that's quite out there stuff. But yeah. like, you know, you know that it was very genuine in that moment. There was another lady who was processing out the loss of her mother from years before. You know, and various other things that had happened. But I remember just feeling the energy in the room from all the different people. And some people were in the corner laughing. Some people were in the other corner crying. Uh, I felt like I was going to take flight and shoot up through the roof. Like it was just amazing. But we all did the same breathwork session. Yeah. So it, I suppose, is it a combination of like where you're at in your life, where you're at in your journey that it, everybody reacts so differently to it? Yeah. And you're right. Everyone reacts in completely different ways because they're all in coming to it from different places. Mm. But also there is something very special that happens together when we breathe together. Yes, there's a, there is. Obviously, we don't always have a chance to breathe together. Lots of people practice breathing at home. Um, mm. But when we do get together, it is a special feeling. So there's a few things going on within the group. There's like there's a momentum. So as me guiding the group, it's just like getting this train moving. And once the train starts moving, there's this momentum that builds within the group. And it's really everyone's having an individual experience within the but there's also a collective experience. There's a collective kind of momentum that builds mm. within the group. And that is unique to the group setting. And there's there's great science around the oxytocin being released from our long exhales. So oxytocin, for people who might know, is the kind of bonding chemical that we feel. Let's say when a mother is breastfeeding, it bonds the, mm. them together. It You know, we feel it when you hug somebody. It You know, what the science has shown us now that 
when we breathe together, we release that as well. So wow. in the room, there's this bonding going on with the people without even consciously being aware of it. Mm. And there's even theories now that the, the, the release of oxytocin from the breathing bonds us as well to our environment. So there's a sense of, of kind of being at one with not just ourselves, but the people around us, but even possibly our surroundings. You know, this idea of, so we're starting to understand really what Bob Marley might have been talking about when he was talking about one love and those types of ideas. Yeah. This idea that we could be bonded together in this experience. So that's all happening when people are breathing together. And wow. then, of course, it, it does. And this is where we have to leave science behind for a little bit. Science can't kind of measure it yet, but it also unlocks deep parts in us. You know, as that woman described it, I've had experience myself of self of incredible kind of emotional revelations. And I've sat up and talked to the person beside me and they just had a totally different experience. You know, they were just like, oh, that was great. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. So and every time we lie down to breathe, it's different. And every time we are in a group, it's different. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like that experience I had was in Wim's house in, in Strew years ago doing power breathing for the first time as part of my instructor training and we, I went all the way to Wim's house and they had this kind of like big greenhouse in the back and we were lying down doing the breathing and like that in in the middle of the power breathing I had this realization that my my relationship with my grandmother which wasn't great um what had been affecting every other relationship with every woman in my life including my wife and my mother wow. and my and and in that moment I realized that my grandmother who had been widowed very early and she was actually terrified of being poor, you know, and that came out in all types yes. of behavior. Yeah. But in that moment, I realized that and I, I forgave her and I kind of, I, for the first time I ever said, Oh my God, I love you to my granny, even though she was good, like a long time dead. And I sat up and I turned to this fellow beside me, another instructor, and I told him all of this. And he was like, what? I was just, he was just having like a nice breathing session. And I was like, Oh my God. So, but it's a perfect example where for me, it was this big thing. And for mm -hmm. him, it was just this nice experience. And then, mm -hmm. you know, so it, so it is always about who we are in that moment and who we are in that moment is always different. But it has the power to really, really change us at the most fundamental level. Absolutely. You talk about that story in your book, The Blissful Breath, and I that kind of blew my mind. I've had similar, you know, um, revelations, I suppose, if you want to yeah. call them, but it's almost like it felt to me while reading the book it's almost like you embodied the feeling of your granny in that moment and you got to see her life from her perspective and once you can open up that part of yourself and see things from other people's perspective it's like it's like a communication yeah and within that communication there's forgiveness and there's understanding and there's consciousness and compassion yeah. And then it fed through into your own life where you it changed. Did it morph the relationships Everything. you had? Wow. Everything, you know, because I didn't realize that some part of me was still angry with her, you know. Wow. But and you, you were a child. You're quite a young yeah, child. Yeah. Well. And, and my granny was dead, but, you know, kind of early on. So but but you're not. So what I love about the kind of breathing practices is I am not conscious of that. You know, I yeah. have no memory of that. Yes. But the breathing takes us to such a level. So let's say we have fight or flight and then we have rest and recover. You know, there's levels below that. 
uh-huh. you know, so it's taken us down into parts of our nervous system, you know, that we don't fully understand. And it's taken mm-hmm. us to points at which we're so open, you know, from the breathing that we are, as you said, we're able to see things from all angles at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, and that and, you know, now that doesn't happen all the time, but it happens yep. when we need it to happen, you know, and, and that's really that's really where the practice of the breathing comes in. It's like anything. You keep practicing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and you'll have this experience. And then mm. the next day, you'll want the experience again, but you'll just go back to doing a little bit more, you know. So yeah. it's not it's not always what we want, yeah. but it's what we need. It feels like divine timing when that happens, yep. you know, where that it's just, okay, universe or God or spirit or whatever you want to call it just goes, okay, now's the right time. Now yeah. he or she are ready for this. And, and like you said earlier as well, you kind of have to park the science in yeah. those moments yeah. and kind of go, okay, I understand the scientific because our logical brains are always trying to, and again, that's the society that we grew up in. Our logical yeah. brains are always trying to figure it out yeah. to make sense of it. And part of that is wonderful, obviously, but then there's parts you just got to park yeah, and just go, I don't understand it, but I, uh, but yeah. I trust uh, the I, experience I of it. When, like there's so much of our existence that we don't understand and science struggles to explain even the most mm. basic things you know even about how our brain works or where's the mind you know all those types of things so if we allow ourselves to think okay like there's loads of things that we don't understand fully yet and that's okay you that's know okay. so when we have these experience that's okay as well you know we don't have to try and figure it out we can just experience it and be like whoa yeah and just enjoy the wonder of it you know and then <gasps> and then we can go back to measuring things <laughs> yeah 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 and that, that's it and I think it's a part of that as well as a trusting and a knowing yeah. and a really sitting into that moment and just going I'm just gonna let whatever's happening here happen and I don't and, and sometimes I feel as well like when those moments are happening for me during breath work or whatever other practices I almost try to grasp onto those moments because they feel so good and now I've learned I need to let go of that and just surrender into the moment. And yeah. that's when it stays much more than when I try to grasp it. And also, yeah, I right. always think I must try and remember that later on or right now. And they're like, no, forget it. Just forget it. <laughs> It'll come it. back. Uh, that's what I because I'm yeah. the same. I, I would kind of feel like in the early days, I wanted those amazing experiences to happen all the time. You know, it's like, yes. I want that again. I want it again. Yeah. But that's like the kind of cruel irony of it. The more we kind of cling to it, the the more difficult it is, you know, to, to get a hold of. So, but you're right. It's just allowing it all to happen. And those great ideas or those thoughts, they'll come back again. Like we yes. don't have to, we don't have to worry. They're not lost. They're just coming back. They'll come back around again. They'll come back around again. And I love as well, like when you talk about the parts of, releasing from parts of your body that you just can't explain and i heard a really nice saying before and it always stays with me and it's like your issues are in your tissues yeah you know so your body stores all this i suppose information but also trauma that you know that you're not even aware of and trauma can be anything from like losing a balloon when you're five years old to like much much more serious stuff you know yeah um, and the breath tends to, I suppose, if if you if we get into it, the issues are in the tissues. The breath oxidizes the cells yes. and lets them yeah. release and relax, yeah. and, and we can let them go. And and you know that's we could we you know we could say that that this is happening all the time in us anyway. You know this beautiful kind of balance between clinging to stuff and letting go of stuff and surrendering and not surrendering. This is happening in us all the time. You know, mm. but when we actually just pay a little bit of attention, then we can 
you can feel it a bit more as well. Mm, it's like an ebb and a flow of your life or a cycle of your life as well that I suppose yeah. we can lean into and honor a little bit more from time to time when we remember when we're not like yeah, yeah. oh my god I gotta get the kids <laughs> you know pack, pack their lunches and yeah. clean the house and blah, you know all that stuff and that's yes. the beauty of you know after a little bit of practice of the breath even in amongst all of that chaos and there's mm. plenty of that chaos in this house with four children yeah even in amongst that chaos we can still bring our attention back to our breath just for a moment and in that moment when we start to pay attention to our breath it changes it calms it slows and that slows us down and calms us down so even in amongst the chaos even if you think to yourself where is my breathing and you'll feel your breathing is erratic and then just pay attention to it it'll balance itself out and then we feel a little bit more balanced as well wow yeah you talk about that in the book that you had four babies under the age of four <laughs> we needed a lot of breathing to deal with that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we still do <laughs> wow fair play fair play i have two and they're young and uh i'm done as yeah yeah, put yeah. It, i'm done i'm Absolutely. done so four under four is a lot of breath work <laughs> it is a lot of breath even for them that they have to do it as well it's mandatory before going to bed so brilliant that's so great i actually yeah I, I mean i suppose what age would you start um getting your kids into that like my son is he's the the older of the two he's six but sometimes mm. it's hard to get a six-year-old to focus as well like what kind of age for any parents listening would you think to start breath work with them it's, it's funny you should say that age because about that time it's when our breathing starts to change oh um, so if we watch young children breathe they breathe with their whole bodies mm -hmm. everything expanding you know and what i watched in my own children was that when they become six seven eight around that age mm -hmm. and they become more conscious of of themselves in the world you know before that they're you know they're just doing anything they want you know oh yeah i love that yeah and, yeah. and but as they become more conscious of themselves that seems like a pressure that we haven't felt before and it starts to change the breathing a little bit oh. So it's something that progressively becomes they mo we move from a kind of natural way of breathing fully. And as that pressure builds, as we go through teenage life and, and on, onwards, that pressure really begins to change our breathing in a kind of erratic way if we're not if we're not paying attention to it. So when wow. I think back to being a teenager and running around basketball courts, I was breathing in my chest the whole time, through my mouth all the time, you know, all the yeah. things that probably weren't very good for me Um so what I think for, for children is as they hit six or seven or eight, just encouraging them just to put their little hands on their belly and to breathe into their belly for three you know, breaths or what my mother used to do with me when I was small to try and help me breathe with the asthma. She'd put like a toy on my belly and I'd have to breathe and the toy would go up. So for them, it's like Brilliant. it's a game, you know, bring the teddy bear up or the action figure up and out and that's it. You know, they don't need what I found with children is they only need a tiny bit of there's no resistance to yeah. it once it's happened to it's happening they're not trying to think oh well is this working or not working they're just doing it so yeah wow. a little bit of breathing like that and what i would say as well is if there's no problem then just leave them alone to, to kind of do their thing you know but if you if you find that the child is really worrying about something or is quite fearful or anxious that's the time then to practice a little bit of breathing and that's why we have, you know, blissful breathing for children and teenagers. You know, that's exactly why it's there. 
But if there's no if there's no problem, you know, and they're and they're grand and they're and they're happy running around the place, that's the best type of breathing. Okay, amazing, amazing. Um, you say in the book as well that music is a big part of your journey and it's a big part of it kind of oh, yeah. evolved with your breathwork journey as well. And I remember again doing that workshop with you and I loved the soundtrack. The soundtrack that you had. How do I put it? I mean, it was amazing. I loved everything on it, but it's like every part of it, every song was a different part of the journey and it opened mm-hmm. up a different time or a different space within me and like I I used to DJ a long time ago so I I know that obviously you know like I used to DJ in a nightclub so I could see physically the patterns of different songs and how it would affect the crowd and how do you feel it links in with breathwork like why does it work so well with breathwork music and breathing to me are essential components of this of the of the experience um so if we were breathing without music still work you know it'd still be good but i think like breathing music can take us to places that we we couldn't get to without Mm. and i think when we combine the two like when you're saying about kind of djing like i i'm that playlist now there might be a hundred songs and when i'm guiding a, a, p- a group of people through breathing i kind of know what songs fit together in what ways and what songs bring about a certain type of feeling as well so mm. i'll change the songs based on what i can see happening in front of me and you know it's kind of hard to explain it to, uh, maybe it's a little bit like dj you can kind of feel where we have to go and what music yes. needs to take us in that direction mm. um and you know, but everyone's choice in music is totally different. So I'm, I'm always encouraging people like to find music that they love, that moves them, you know, in whatever way and put it on and listen to it and breathe with the music. So it's this beautiful, pleasurable experience mm. and and let the music and the breathing take us to some place emotionally, perhaps that we mightn't even be thinking about, you know, but uh, music is so uh, it's so amazing at bringing about these states of minds, you know, or these states of our hearts. So, and the breathing is just a great way to complement that. Mm. Do you think when it comes to music, when you get into the nitty gritty of it, that it is a vibration, you know, and it's the vibration that like different frequencies will have different vibrations and carry and affect different parts of you. Like you'll have a heart frequency. Yep. You know, you'll have, you know, different frequencies will open up the different energy centers or the chakras in your body. Like, do you feel that that's part of it? That when you're breathing, it's it's lending a hand to open up these energy centers that maybe the music is kind of. Yeah, doing the rest of the work. Yeah, I absolutely feel that's the case. And I think in in most cultures, there is a musical part of whatever healing that they do in the culture. Yeah you know so take any of the big religions or spiritual practices there's always a musical element to the to the practice you know to the ceremony to yeah. the ceremony there always is and even in, in ireland here is like sultry and and you know there's the three different types of traditional music uh and one of them is the kind of dreaming one you know so it's the really relaxed kind of music that you'd use to dream to and um i definitely feel that when we have a look at the different cultures and it's particularly the religion, say religion as a, as a form of spiritual practice, 
there's mm. always amazing music as part of it you know and and that definitely opens people's up you know in, in a whole different way and sometimes when when we're i'm away with wim hof teaching with wim hof wim will have his guitar and we'll be playing live music and singing when we're doing the breathing and to have as you were saying live music you can feel it mm. you know you can feel the, the, the kind of instruments and that just adds another layer as you're saying that kind of vibration we can f we can sense i can hear a nightclub and you can feel the bass coming up through the yeah, floor you know literally, it's yeah. the same thing i was talking to a yeah. fellow yesterday and he was we we're having this discussion about like we were talking about the power of breathing as a group <clears throat> and it's comparison to the old rave days or maybe the new yes. rave days you know yeah. the, the idea of this collective experience with, with people all moving in the same direction you know maybe they weren't using their breathing but the but the music was part of that experience as well and, and there's definite similarities i agree 100 percent. i mean i was a major clubber in my late teens early 20s and i look back at it now and i go okay yeah it was great i had loads of fun but it was also a search for something more mm -hmm. and it was like like you said the movement and the music together it was a search for something deeper and perhaps a community that needed to be together in that sense and express themselves yeah. together and like you said about the group breathing that a lot it's a lot more powerful when people are doing it together in a group in a yeah. session and just to go back to when you talk about religious or spiritual practices and and how they use music in ritual and ceremony i mean i suppose you'd often see sound bowls or gongs or they might not necessarily even be a song per se but you know even a gong within a ritual will do something yes. and sometimes you can't even understand yeah. or know what it is again that's about kind of parking the science have you experienced yeah that? So, so one of the great things about my job is um that myself and josie my wife she works on the, in the on behind the scenes on, on all all the work we do and we create events that we want to go to so we oh, have we have recently it. been creating these events um with this great person emma west so uh, i'll do the breathing Josie will do this beautiful cacao ceremony and Emma is this sound bath person, you know, and she oh. has these massive big instruments of all types and we just lie there and, and you can feel, you can feel the movement and the vibration of the different sounds moving through your body, you know, and again, it's like we've all been in a place where something's very loud and you can feel it internally in your body, you know, so yes. as these different instruments are played and she sings over the top of it, you know, the idea is that every there's a kind of a frequency or there's a kind of instrument for each type of person or you know so, so one person might f feel a connection to one sound and another person may not mm. but the feeling afterwards it's just this i always feel like i have i can sense infinite space within me you know it's yes. not like an external it's like it's just it could go on forever and and again when we look at you know so many different cultures they have instruments as part of it, you know, yeah. like these, and as you said, it's not to be a song. It doesn't have to be a chorus and a song. It's sound, you know, we yes. use sound. And it's like, why we, why do we go to the sea just to stand there and look at it? a lot of that is the sound of the sea, mm. you know, the beautiful sound of that rhythm of the, of the waves coming over the rocks and, and the sand. So I often think that the sounds we create, we're just mimicking what we hear all the time outside in nature absolutely and i think i suppose if you go back and, and um 
look at the Bible and they say in the, you know, in the, in the beginning, there was the word of God. That's just sound, yeah. you know, so it's like we're made up of these ultimate vibrations. So when you hit these different sounds from different instruments are going to be like a, you know, a different part of yourself yeah. that can be opened up or explored yeah. again. Um, you talk about your wife, Josie, and, and doing the cacao ceremonies. I, I, I love cacao as well. I know it's been kind of. There's been a boom of cacao, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, I drink it every day. I think it's amazing. I don't drink coffee because it gives me the jitters. I just can't do it. (laughs) I'd be hospitalized if I had a cup of coffee at this stage. I haven't drank it in like nearly three years. Um, So cacao does it for me because I feel like it's very much a brain activator. It's a Mm, good replacement. They say it's a heart opener and all those things. And I've experienced that in ways as well. But there's a magic to it that I can't quite explain do you yeah. feel the same as well? Is it? Yeah. So, you- well, again, we were very lucky. Like a couple of years before COVID, we were putting together an event and uh, we brought in Natasha's this amazing cacao facilitator. I'd never done it. We had a beautiful Wim Hof experience. And then K- Natasha brought us to cacao. And I just thought to myself, what is this thing? Yeah. I felt so amazing afterwards, you know? Yeah. So Josie went off and she, she did her cacao training. And again, what, I, what we found was that Breathing and cacao are work so well together. Yeah. So, like from the science yeah. point of view, cacao is a, a, a vasodilator, so it opens up all the blood cells around the the the, the respiratory system. Mm. So, so when we're breathing, so I've had some of the most you know amazing things I've learned about breathing during a cacao ceremony when I've been breathing deeply while drinking the cacao. Wow. And I think it comes back again to like we know from the science that it's full of theobromine, which is a very specific kind of chemical that makes us mm-hmm. okay, it's like caffeine, but not as, as strong, but also anandamide, which is that bliss chemical again, which opens us up. So it's only found in the human body, in cacao and in CBD or, you know, marijuana, you know. Okay, so, th- yeah. so there is lots of science to show us why it starts to make us feel good. But again, when you allow yourself to say, OK, that's that. We'll put that over on the side for a second. And we we'll, and we think about it more deeply. One, it's taking time to slow down. Yes. It's like you can drink cacao quickly. Absolutely. But if you drink it in a ceremony with some breathing, you're doing nothing else. And it just feels amazing. You know? <laughs> it does. And then for me, it's also a very creative process. I've had great ideas about solving problems, you know, when drink, drinking cacao as well. So again, we're kind of in one way we're quite quite selfish it's like what event would we love to go to oh let's do some cacao let's get emma to do the sound bath and i'll do the breathing you know but what we found with i always try to say curious about things and experiment and see what works and what doesn't work and what we found is that the combination of breathing and cacao is is like magic yeah it is it is like magic so we are doing you know, once a month, once every five weeks now, we have a blissful breathing and cacao ceremony events, uh, mostly in Dublin. Yeah, I was going to say, when are you coming to Cork? To Wexford and places as you're well. going to have to Just start coming down. Great. You're going to have to start coming down south, though. When are you coming to Cork? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do it. Actually, we're I think we're in Cork in October, and we were thinking of doing a <laughs> Wim Hof uh, workshop, and then afterwards we'll do a cacao ceremony for whoever wants to do that as well. So. Unbelievable! You know. Please do. I will be there, and I'll drag a bunch of people, and I'll put it all across social media. So Great! I will definitely do. let you know. Absolutely. Um, 
I suppose, again, okay, we've talked about a lot of different healing modalities we've touched on. Obviously, well, we've gone into breath work. We've gone into the music, um, cacao. And there's many, many, there's so much out there at the moment. Do you get a sense that, is it just that, is it just that it's turning into this multi-million dollar industry that people are tapping into? Or do you get a deeper sense that there is possibly um, a more collective consciousness opening up at the moment? Or is it a bit of both? A bit of both, I think. I think um, there's been a shift in society, a major shift in society about loads of things recently. Mm. And um, there's so many ways I could take this. But um, (laughs) one of the things that I would look at is Say, for instance, I'm 46. And when I look at the younger generation, what astounds me is their openness to things. And they haven't got their world beaters. You know, they are the they are going to be the best in the world at whatever they do, you know, Mm -hmm. which is a different mentality than, say, when I was growing up, where Ireland was always like in football or whatever it was, whatever sport. Oh, it's grand that we're in there. Oh, but we we lose, but we're grand, you know. Well, the younger people have this totally different view of the world. I think that's partially because they have access to information and, you know, the, you know, the Internet has good and bad elements, but they can see the world and they can make choices. And that then filters up into how we see things and mm. the other generations see things. So I think there's been a, a, a real shift in in what is available, what choices are available to us. Yes. So that choice can be we can go to the pub like we've done for the last 200 years or we can decide that we'll go to the, after the pub or before the pub, we'll go do a cacao ceremony or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that I think there's a there's an element of choice that is now present that was never present before. And there's also a change in, you know, we have whatever interests you are interested in, you can now find out about them and you can yes. now find people that will teach you about them and you can you can go and learn from the best people in the world online for whatever it is. And I think th- I think those kind of elements and there's many more of those kind of elements are pushing us into this new totally new way of looking at life Mm. and i think there is a huge change taking place and of course there was a sunday times article there i just i read it there somewhere and it was like the wellness industry is now a the bigger 50 trillion dollar industry or whatever it is which is like one way is like okay grand but other ways thank god you know yeah that could easily be just the you know the pharmaceutical industry plus the petrochemical industry you know it could be the usual kind of things of the biggest industry if the wellness industry is that big a lot of that is doing a lot of good obviously there's yes. lots of commercial stuff and all that kind of stuff but a lot of it is doing an awful lot of good and i think when we look at when we look at the changes that have happened so rapidly and continue to happen so rapidly in our society from access to information all those other things that it, there's a real sense of, of things changing. You know, a real sense of things changing. Even how Ireland has voted for equal marriage, how mm. Ireland has voted for all of these things, you know, mm. recently. These are just, for me, signposts that we're, we're heading in, in this kind of new direction. Yeah, absolutely. A beautiful new direction, please God. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to take it back, actually, because I forgot to ask you about cold water. Yes, of I mean, course. this is kind That'd of an beautiful. intricate part of the Wim Hof um, breath work that you do. Give me your take on cold water and what it does to you and what the co- what cold exposure 
can do for you this is for a long time i enjoyed cold and breathing as part of the wim hof method you know and mm -hmm. i thought to myself there they have loads of proven benefits and, and there's even more benefits coming out as we talk all the time about say dementia and improving things like that but I, it took me a while to come to a point where i figured out what was the fundamental link between our breathing and the cold and why why it was there and it brought me back when i was doing research into you know how my own breathing at birth was 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 a problem was a problem and what i found out was that i hadn't thought about it till that point that when we're in the womb like we have this our mothers are breathing for us so we're mm. not breathing our mothers are breathing for us all of wow. us share this experience wow yeah when we're born it's the shock of the cold air no matter what part of the world we're born in it's colder than it was within the womb it's the shock of the cold that forces us to take our first breath and to and it ignites this chain reaction in the body wow. that brings our is our, brings our lungs alive for the first time brings our whole respiratory system alive we start breathing because of the cold wow and when i realized that i i was like that's that's it like from the beginning of our life there is this relationship between our life and our breath and the cold and mm -hmm. then we go, go through life and we might forget about that but when we bring the cold back into our lives it kind of completes the whole f experience again wow. so there's low like it improves our immune system it improves our levels levels of stress and anxiety helps us deal with all of that you know it, it reduces inflammation reduces pain does all these things but the reason it does all of these things in my view is that it brings us back to this whole kind of wholeness again between our breath and the cold you know and so for people listening it doesn't have to be a big deal like jumping into an ice bath every day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it can be just as much as putting your feet or hands in the cold or going for a walk with your jacket off for a few minutes or whatever it is it makes so much sense that you say that now now it's clicked with with me i suppose the first thing if i turn the shower on to cold after having a hot shower i finish with a cold shower if i turn it on to the cold the first thing that i'll do is go you know and take a breath and it's the same if i get into the yes. sea or you step outside like you said without a jacket and it's a really cold day you just go you know so it forces you it, i suppose the cold itself it forces you to take the breath yes the mm. cold is is like a teacher that's waiting mm. for us there to teach us how to really get the 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 true potential out of our breath you know wow and we you know we talked we kind of briefly talked earlier about how the breath is the first and the last thing that we have you know and if it wasn't for the cold it wouldn't even be the first thing you know so it's the wow. cold that triggers that so as you said every time we go out into the cold we can either be fearful of the cold and hate the cold and in ireland we can't escape the cold like you know, yeah. where the cold wind is, is with us for most of the year or we can decide that the cold can be a force for good in our lives yes and we can learn how to use our breath in the cold to learn how to find a sense of calm in the chaos and you know and the, and the shock of the cold mm. and then that ability to find that sense of calm in the in the chaos we can use that everywhere then mm. it doesn't have to be just in the cold you know so the cold is there as this incredible teacher this incredible force for good in our lives but we have to 
you have to learn a little bit how to use it. Absolutely. And I'm I'm thinking back to when I was in my early 20s. I remember being at a music festival being freezing cold, you know, when you get to a yeah. festival, you're like, oh, my God. And there was the shakes. And a friend of mine who was a sailor who was used to the cold and the cold water, he said to me, stop resisting it. Let the cold into your body. Just let it in. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. I was like, no, but then I'll get like hypothermia and die or whatever. <laughs> you know, that was the thought process. He was like, no, stop. Stop resisting. Let the cold in and breathe. Yeah. And sure enough, I actually stopped shaking yeah. and I stopped getting the jangles. Um, but this is many, many years ago, which I totally forgot after a festival. <laughs> yeah, but they were and right. It's it surrendering like, because really with the cold, we can't fight it. It's such a strong, powerful force. Yes. We have to let go. We have to surrender, which is the opposite of what we want to do. We want to be like, yes. but again, following that long exhale, following that long exhale where we can stay calm in the cold, mm. then the body is in a place where it can adapt to the cold and mm. it can start generating heat in the cold. And then we learn. That's ah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then the, the, the deeper lesson then is if we can adapt in the cold by just breathing, we can adapt to all the types of pressures by just breathing. Amazing. The cold is just a pressure. The it was just a catalyst, like you said, a teacher. Yeah. 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 The cold and the heat are just pressures. They're just different ends of, of, of the temperature scale. Stress is a pressure. Yes. You know, you know, feelings of panic, they are a pressure. Mm. So once we learn to, to find that sense of calm in the cold, then we can find it everywhere. Absolutely. And equally, the sauna, I find, again, I could never do saunas years ago. I used to find myself quite panicky, quite short of breath. Yeah. Um, and recently I've been diving into like 90 degree saunas and staying in there for two and a half hours and alternating. Oh. It. Yeah, I know. I'm, I can go extreme when I want to. <laughs> I said this to a friend of mine. He's like, are you training for the Irish rugby team? Or something? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. But life like, can feel like that. Yeah, but it, it, it the, the release when, okay, 90 degrees at two and a half hours is quite extreme, but I did come out in and out yeah. and actually straight into the cold, into yeah. a cold water vat, back in, back out. And it's almost like those extremes just softened out the body so much. It yeah. was blissful by the end of it, you know? Yeah. And it really needed it. And, you know, people often think that I only spend time in the cold, you know, that I'm, you know, live in the nice bath. But really, we want the hot and the cold. Mm. You know, when we look at our lives, our lives are full of of opposite opposing forces. We have night mm. and day and cold and heat. Everything is it has an opposite force. And ideally, we're looking for we kind of go to the extremes to find that balance then. So by going to the extreme in your sauna and getting into the ice bath, then when you come mm. out, your body has found this new balance in between both. And then it feels amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose they are polarities of the same thing. Yeah. Like, you know, when you have extreme heat and extreme cold and you and if you put that in a straight line and looked at it visually, it's the same thing. Yeah. But it's the opposite end of yeah. it, you know, so it's like trying to find yeah. where where does the heat stop and the cold start is a really interesting thing to try for me to try yeah. and get my head around as well, you know. And it's the same with the breathing, you know, we're, we're breathing in and we're breathing out and we're holding our breath in and we're holding our breath out. So it's this, as you said, like it's it's opposite ends of the same experience. And again, it's 
when we take our selves to these opposite ends of the same experience then we can find this new balance and that's where really all the all the value is you know is being able to find that new balance it's what buddha did buddha's the balance the middle way isn't it like it's amazing it's and it's yeah um looking at the book again you say in it that just 10 minutes a day on a consistent basis can change your life entirely which i think is 100 percent accurate do you find i know myself that i every with all the different practices that i have i always come back to the breath but it's the one that i resist the most <laughs> it's so interesting to me and you touched on it in the book can you talk more about the resistance to the breath yeah so a long time ago when i started teaching the wim hof method for example i used to think that the resistance would be to people practicing the cold yeah, yeah. they they'd do the breathing exercises, no bother. And what I've found over the years is that the resistance is not to the cold because the cold is like a little bit of an adventure. You know, might jump yeah. in the sea or, oh my God, it's a cold shower at the end of your heart. Whatever it is, there's a sense of adventure about it. Dread, but probably adventure as well. Uh, and, but what I found is that our deepest resistance is to breathing. Even though, yeah. you know, we're breathing all the time and that's, I think, part of the resistance. I think somewhere... On a, on a deep kind of biological level, our body knows that it's breathing for us 20,000 times a day. It knows that it does, you know, it's kind of like saying to us, don't worry about this. You know, I'm looking after the breathing, you know, so okay. deep within us, even though we know that taking it even five, 10 minutes of time, of time to breathe every day has these huge effects on us. There is an inbuilt resistance to it because we're going to breathe anyway. Yeah. You know, so okay. it's kind of like, it's not like food. We have to actually go out and get food. You know, otherwise there's no food. Mm. With our breathing, it's always going to happen. You know, so it's kind of, there is an inbuilt resistance to it. But I think if we go another step deeper than that, I think that we also are resistant to it because it means that we're going to change. Ah. So by, by breathing, you know, by taking 10 minutes to breathe, you are different when you get up after 10 minutes of breathing from sitting yes. down. And I think that is a very strong factor in why it's difficult to practice it because we are resistant. Ultimately, we are resistant to change. We were, wow. you know, I, I was talking to a psychologist recently and her take was that, you know, our main driver in life is to survive. And to survive mm. means no risk, no change. Stay as you are. Even if it's bad, you're just going to survive wow. for longer. So the resistance, I think, is to, to our change, to the transformation it brings about. Because it does forge you into new territory, which can be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. that, you know, absolutely. And I, and I feel like um, you have to engage in bravery. You have to be a bit brave to, to, to want to push through. But the rewards, the rewards yeah. for me are just yeah. beyond any of the discomfort or pain that I might yeah. experience during it. And, and it's kind of an interesting thing to talk about that we're resistant to things that help us. And we're resistant yes. to things that help us all the time. You know, do we eat this or do we eat that? Yeah. You know, like, do I yeah. drink this? Or, you know, yeah. and like one of them might be something that ultimately is a bit better for us than the other one. But again, I think it's not just the breathing. I think we are resistant to, to lots of things that might change us. That's so interesting. 
It's so interesting. That's given me more clarity on why I resisted quite a bit as well, <laughs> even though I forced myself to come back to it. But yeah. that's amazing. Um, can we finish up with a, I call it the Live Wild pop quiz. Yes, and it's, of course. It's a, it's a quick fire round for you. Um, yeah, it's a bit of fun. Okay. What is your favorite breathing technique and why? Um, coherent breathing, which is basically in for a count of four, out for a count of four, um, because it just, uh, it just heals everything. Amazing. Okay. And that all of that's in your book as well. Yes. What do you stand for? What was that? Do I? What do you stand for? Love. Beautiful. If you were to distill yourself down to an essence, what would be your essence? Lavender. Oh, <laughs> gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, do you believe in magic? If you define it, you have to believe in it. It's rolled out, paraphrasing, but yes, I believe in magic. Beautiful. What's the wildest thing you've ever done? Oh, Jesus, it's a safe things. space now you can talk jumping <laughs> off waterfalls in, uh, in the dark and down into icy rivers might be the wildest thing in the dark <sighs> that's sure trust down there. <laughs> yeah that is I might do it again but I did it before wow fair play in the dark there's one thing to jump off in the night light and you know see where you're <laughs> going to land but that's a trust exercise in yourself isn't it really yeah, it is um, what is the one thing you do what is the one thing you do every day to to help you live wild and free? You might guess the answer to this. I I, I breathing was breathing calmly I'm... and deeply. <laughs> <laughs> the question was half out of my mouth, and I was like, sure I know what the answer is. <laughs> Haven't we been talking about it? Yeah, we're not paying attention, Hillary. <laughs> um. We're going to, if, if it's okay with you, we're going to finish out. Uh, if you can lead us, you and I, but also the listeners on a little breathwork session, I'd be really appreciative of that. And I think for those who maybe haven't, who have just listened in on the podcast, haven't heard of your work before, this is a little sample and it could, you know, open up a lot more things for them. So that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. So it might take maybe three or four minutes to do that. Would, would that be okay? Beautiful. We'd love that. Thank you. Okay. So if everyone would like to just close their eyes, if that's comfortable for them. And just bringing your full attention to your eyes and allowing your eyes to soften. Allowing your jaw and your mouth to soften. Allowing your shoulders and your neck to soften. Allowing your belly to soften. Allowing your legs to soften. Allowing your feet and toes to soften. And just bringing your attention now to your breath as it is. No forcing the breath. Just listening to the breath. Feeling the breath. And in a moment we're going to change how we breathe and change how we feel and how we think. So if it's comfortable for you placing two hands on your belly and just breathing into the belly and feeling the belly expanding 
And then just letting go as you exhale. And continue to breathe like this, the belly expanding gently. And really letting go as you exhale, like a sigh. And continue to breathe into the belly, feeling the belly expanding. And letting that breath go. Every breath beginning in the belly. Every breath gently expanding in the belly and then just letting go. Finding your own pace as we breathe. Finding your own rhythm as we breathe. Three more breaths like this in the belly. Simply breathing in. And simply letting go. Two more. Breathing in and letting go. Final breath, breathing in and letting go. And just rest now for a moment. Allow your breathing to find its way back to its natural rhythm. Allow your body to rest for a moment. We're going to take three breaths to finish, but this time the emphasis will be a little different. We'll breathe in gently and then we'll calmly breathe all the way out to the very bottom of our exhale. And then we'll do that again. So breathing in now. And breathing all the way out. And when you get to the bottom of your breath, Breathing gently in and breathing all the way out. Final breath, breathing in and breathing all the way out. And just rest now for a moment. Allowing your jaw and your mouth to soften one last time. Allowing your eyes to soften. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back into the room. Or you can keep them closed if you like, Hilary. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I won't ask you any complicated questions now for a moment <laughs> it's just like the energy level like even you can hear it in the pitch in my voice the energy levels has come right down but it's not i wouldn't say it's a tiredness you feel alert and engaged but it's just it's described the feeling is often described as calm but alert mm. you know so there's, there's still a sharpness to the mind but it's open absolutely that is so powerful within three minutes i'm set up for the day now could you Thank imagine you. what you could do in 10 minutes <laughs> i know yeah wow like congratulations it is a wonderful book the work you're doing is wonderful and so important and so needed right now. So thank you for you and Josie on your journey together because you're a tour de force doing all your different events. 
You can find all of your work online. And obviously yeah. we're going to share all the links in the podcast when it goes to release. Um, thank you. Not oh. just for that, but for the chat today. It's been yeah. beautiful. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it and for giving me a chance to tell people about these, uh, these stories as well. So thank you very much. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks.